Welcome back to another episode of Sports Ball Go and Puck. It's a new year. Uh, happy yeah. Happy 2022 to uh, all the listeners out there. Hopefully, last year wasn't too bad. Um, hopefully, a better one this year. Uh, if you haven't noticed already, I'm not Jules. Uh, <laughs> he's currently on vacation right now, so we're gonna have a two man show today. Uh, I'm here with Brian. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing great. How about yourself, Kyle? You know, I'm I'm a little stressed. I'm not gonna lie. There's oh yeah, I mean, we're both missing Jules right now. He adds a lot of structure to the show, so this is gonna be certainly interesting. Uh, this uh, first episode of the new year, we are certainly lacking a little bit on on the technological side here today. Yeah, but hopefully everything sounds good for everyone listening out there. And do we want to get a programming note for future episodes in just to start this one? Because I know Julian had talked about it with us, but. Uh, I think we're going to start doing, we're going to start recording shows on Mondays after this week, and we're going to start publishing them on Tuesday, so that's yeah, something to I look think, out for, I guess. Uh, yeah, maybe stay tuned for even some video coming shortly. Um, we'll see. Uh, yeah, a lot of things coming. I think maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that next episode when we got yeah. Jules back. He's the, he's the parental figure uh, he of the three. certainly the parental figure <laughs> of our little trio here. Uh, maybe a shorter show today. I don't know. We're going to kind of see where it takes I us. I think I'll yap on plenty, so we'll see that's, how it goes. That's, that's great. I, we're <laughs> hoping for that. Uh, we're going to do two halves today. Uh, we're going to save NFL for Jules, uh, and I think it's probably appropriate. Uh, week's, week 18, that feels terrible well, to say, we, by the way. We also get our best content when me and Jules are arguing, so that certainly helps. Absolutely, and it'll be prime for playoff time. Oh, yeah. And like Next you said, week. Week, week 18 is disgusting. It makes me want to vomit. Uh, the fact that the Players Association caved on the fact of wanting less preseason games and telling the NFL, hey, Thursday night games and the robust schedule hurts us. And they're like, yeah, you can add another game if you want as a concession is terrible, uh, bad. You know, and I'm not I'm not a person to bash on the Players Union. I am all for worker solidarity. But, I mean, come on, guys. I Three preseason games is a step in the right direction, but to add another regular season game does not help anybody. doesn't make any sense. I think we'll get a little bit more into that when we start breaking down the playoffs next yeah, week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but speaking of football and disappointment <laughs> regarding football, I think, Brian, I, you got some thoughts you were telling me about yeah. bowl season and college football as a whole now that the season is officially pretty much behind us minus a championship game. Which I'm not watching. Which I'm sure you'll get into. Yeah. I mean, well, I think what sucks the most about the season is that this is supposed to be, like, the most chaotic season since, what, 2007? It, not that anything can compare to that 2007 season. Like, what, I think, like, five number two seeds lost that year. Like, even, I think, what was it? Uh, I don't know if, like, Rutgers was that high. Or, no, Rutgers beat a two seed or something. Like, like they beat West Virginia, who was a two Like, just wild season. And it was supposed to be something, you know, along the lines of that. And we're just getting like a repeat of the SEC championship, the national championship. Like, and I'm not one for, you know, rigging uh, the the outcomes of professional sports. Uh, we already have an entertainment league in the WWE, if that fits your fancy. I know plenty of people love, you know, the storylines of sports and WWE, you know, encapsulates that. But like, it, it feels like the games are always steered for the SEC to reign supreme. And that's not to knock on the recruiting that goes on in the SEC. The SEC is the best conference in football. I'm not going to argue that, but, man, it's just – for a season that was supposed to be chaotic as it was, and it was in the regular season, don't get me wrong, and, you know, to have, uh, you know, a, a spot here where where we have uh, Cincinnati getting in the first group of five team to ever get in, and we weren't expecting them to win. I think we can both agree with that, right? Like, Oh, for certainly. It's still disappointing, though. But, like, Michigan just completely falls flat on its face 
Uh, Aiden Hutchinson looks terrible. Uh, so I think Kayvon Thibodeau, player one, edge one in this draft this year after that game. Uh, we can look over more film. We I might do special like draft shows for Sportsbook Golden Puck. We'll get, probably get more into that as you know stuff goes on. I love drafts, but I mean, there's just like – I hate to use this term status quo because it's overused like crazy, but like to kind of revert back to the same old, same old sucks. And, you know, I, because of how crazy this year was, you know, we're going to get a, we're going to get a boring season next year. I think it's just kind of how it is. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see like a college football playoff with, um, you know, a bunch of like teams that have, that have already been there before. So you're looking at teams like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, Georgia, Notre Dame, and, Probably not Oklahoma. Like, I don't think Oklahoma is going to be in there. But those are examples of teams who have made it multiple times. And a few of those, uh, if you want to point out Notre Dame and Oklahoma, have been kicked, like, completely to the curb both times that they were in. I mean, Oklahoma's been in more than twice. But so um, I'm happy that since he got in, uh, the fact that they played Alabama that close, I think, disproves any narrative that a group of five teams should never be in. I think a group of five teams should always get a chance if they're good enough. Cincinnati built a resume dating back to their bowl loss against Georgia from last year. Like that's how far they had to dig back into the resume to be in. Um, so it's just tough. And like, t- this is more of like a kind of a non issue. Like this is really a nothing burger because awards don't mean anything anymore. Awards are a lie. Awards are a sham, but Bryce Young is the worst Heisman winner since Mark Ingram won it for Alabama back when Adamican Sue should have won it. So that sucks. <laughs> like it should have been. You could have given it to Will Anderson if you wanted to. He wasn't Certainly. even. He yep. wasn't even in New York. Uh, the voters were kind of interested in maybe giving it to Hutchinson. Hindsight bias doesn't make that look good, but hey, he played the best down the stretch. Yep. You could have given it to Kenny Pickett, which I don't know how that could have flown, but you know, it, you should have given it, it to Kenny it Pickett. I think he was worked, the most so. deserving player um, for me this year. And you know, like, don't get me wrong, I love the Sickos committee in terms of all the bowl games that we have. Also, I mean, we've mentioned it before, and not that we're gonna, you know. Pumping their tires is going to ha- help their Twitter page. But, you know, if you don't follow the Sickos Committee, follow the Sickos Committee. Because in the purgatory hellscape that is college football, the Sickos Committee is a beautiful silver lining in a sky, <laughs> you know, full of gray. I mean, it's just – I love that page. and But I think we need to start kind of, you know, like pulling in some of these bolting – like making these requirements stricter to get in. Because, listen, like it's fun to watch – Tulsa get in <laughs> like a six and six Tulsa team just because of the sickos committee and you know all that but I mean I I think we need to start you know making these requirements like eight to nine wins instead of six win teams I think I kind of want to mention that very quickly is even the games where some of the guys opt out where you have like a Carson Strongless team playing yeah. in a bowl game it just it, what's it, the point in Nevada it, playing it didn't make any sense I watched that game I it, I might even be wrong. I might, I think it was Western Michigan they played. Yeah, and of course Western Michigan has to play. It has to win. Yuck! As a St. Cloud State fan. <laughs> and people, I know Western Michigan. I think they were they're one in ten in bowl games all time, and it was nice for them to, to win one. But I, I think you remember one of their losses very clearly. I do remember a PJ Fleck team getting was beat that the by the Cotton Bowl. That sounds correct. It or was it the Alamo Bowl? It was a Texas Bowl. I it know was that. a Texas Bowl. Yeah, and I, that's where my hatred for PJ Fleck yeah. started. Yeah. 
but I it, maybe it feels good uh, for the guys in the locker room, and maybe they don't know the history. But like, do you really feel good about beating a Nevada team without Carson Strong in a bowl game that was? Well, yeah, it's the Quick Lane Bowl. Four Kyle. or five days before it's New the Year's. It's Quick Lane Bowl. <laughs> like, like sure, it's nice to play like a capper on your season, and I know some of the players view it that way. But then, like a five and seven Rutgers team gets to play a Wake Forest team, and oh, it feels good. We made a bowl game. Rutgers sucked this year. Like, Should have been Nebraska. Let, let's not paint the picture where the metrics liked them, and that's why they got in. They couldn't do anything against Wake Forest. Well, you know the reason why they got in, right? As a five and seven team, academic merit. Yep. So, mathletes reign supreme again. So sorry, Jock. This is the real world where the nerd gets the girl, and and the bowl games. You know. Except the part where they couldn't stop a Wake Forest <laughs> offense. Sam Hartman's pretty good. I, I, mean. I do I do quickly want to mention something about, I know you quickly brought up the SEC kind of feeling like they're always on top that the Georgia-Bama, I guess, really are the two that you're looking at. It kind of feel like Are you going to mention the Citrus Bowl, Kyle? They're, they're Is that game. what you're going to mention? I'm actually going to swap over to the Big Ten. Okay. I, I was thoroughly entertained by the Big Ten this year, and I know it feels like a far cry go. Penn State was a number four team at one point. <laughs> Iowa was the number two team. I think Ohio State was number three at one point. Yep. The Big Ten. Ohio State was number two at one point, by the way. When they played Michigan, they were the number yeah, two I team mean, in the at, country. At one point, the Big Ten was entertaining. I know it was. It kind of ended on a bummer with the uh, Michigan-Iowa in the Big Ten championship. I don't think anyone really wanted to see that game. Uh, Here's the thing. Before before the, the game, which is what it's referred to as, when the maize and blue take on the scarlet and gray, I was I was already pre- prepping for a Georgia Ohio State excuse me national championship. That's what I was prepping for. So, I mean, it was nice to see. I I don't know if it was not, that's probably not the word I should use. It wasn't nice to see Michigan win. It was different to see Michigan win. I that's, mean, ESPN's kind of manufacturing certain. consent on the idea that everybody wanted Harbaugh to win or whatever. And it's like it's fine. Like Harbaugh's funny. Don't get me wrong. Like it's fun to see him play, but. The dude doesn't get it done in in bowl games. Like that's just kind of part of his legacy, right? I think that's now. something we'll bring up yeah. later. Is the the beating Georgia put on Michigan? But I don't know. I was entertained by the Big Ten this year. The Big Ten had its moment. It was hard sometimes to be a Badgers fan because this it year. It cannibalizes but itself, Kyle. Like it doesn't it do itself any favors. And that's the problem. Like what what do you want? Do you want two good teams that just beat down on everybody, or do you want? Uh, chaotic sort of season, and then the SEC can take the claim of, oh, you know, well, we're better than you guys, which it's always going to be, unfortunately. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I know we, you talked to me a little bit earlier about the the problems of a twelve team playoff format and how some and of those bowl thing, games like, don't I, feel like they matter. On record, I've been on this podcast proposing a twelve team playoff. These past few weeks have completely disillusioned me from that, so I want to formally retract myself from being a twelve team playoff supporter. Uh, I heard it from Joel Klatt, and I didn't have the critical thinking to realize, oh, hey, this guy's a part of a giant college football network, and who would a 12-team playoff benefit? The networks. And that's another thing that I want to get into later. I'm going to let you finish kind of your points, but uh, I think I, in terms of, like, who's ruined college football, it's the networks, honestly. Like, it's their fault that the, all this is the case. And a 12-team playoff, like, we talk about players opting out of bowl games, and maybe if there's, like, a playoff on the line, there wouldn't be opt-outs, but the games that we aren't watching are the are the five through twelve playoff games. Like I didn't watch Baylor Ole Miss, I didn't watch much of the Rose Bowl due to work, but I would have watched the Rose Bowl if I knew it was going to be that good. Because yeah, jeez, I, mean, I mean, is that better than the Georgia Oklahoma Rose Bowl that we had a few years ago? I'm going to be honest. I only watched the fourth quarter. I turned it on because yeah. 
when you start getting that many ESPN notifications, I think you start to think something's up. So I watched uh, the end. Also, Jackson Smith and Jigba for Heisman next year. Oh, my uh, gosh. My that God, kid he's is, good. Is special. He could enter the draft this year, and he'd get taken, which is ridiculous to say because he's, he's a freshman. Third right? option. He's a freshman. He's, he's right? a, yeah, he's their third option. I on do feel. State I, on a side note, I do feel a little bad for Stroud and Olave. They lost draft stock playing with Smith and Jigba this year. They just yeah. they flat out did. It's not their fault. Here's They're the thing. Both and very talented. Olave, uh, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave are going to be Pro Bowl wide receivers at the next level. I think I can confidently say that. You don't pass up an Ohio State wide receiver. You don't. I think Terry McLaurin has taught everybody that lesson. So uh, I, I, not that it's for sure going to happen, but I would predict if there are going to be two Pro Bowl wide receivers coming out of this draft, or you know, two like All Pro or, you know, Pro Bowl is not really a good measure, but you know, like good wide receivers, starters, it's going to be Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So, it's going to be exciting to watch those two oh, develop, yeah. and I, I hope. You think the Packers I, are going to take one of those I guys? Hope to God, the Packers take them, but I also hope that they don't fall to like an early second round pick. I don't want one of them getting stuck with a team without a quarterback. That would, that would, that would suck. I, yeah. But even, like, like you mentioned, McLaurin. I mean, McLaurin's kind of making it work with Taylor Heineke right now, and I love making it work with Taylor Heineke. I love Come on, Taylor man. Heineke. But no, Mike Taylor Heineke isn't anything special. Speaking of which, we're going to spring football back this year. USFL. We are going in a bunch of million different directions. I'm sorry, but there's so much football that's going to be going on. Do we want to cover the USFL when it's around? Was that? Are we down for that? I would be down to briefly mention some if something exciting happens, and someone's gonna make a name for themselves yeah. down there. So I shouldn't say down there. I'm not trying to look. Yeah, down. It actually is down there because like it actually is southeastern football. Hey, I think, fair pretty fair much, enough. So. I guess saved by the bell there a little bit. I mean, what? There's like the Michigan Panthers. That I think that's the only north. Also, Michigan Panthers. What the yeah, hell? Yeah, I that? don't know about that. Ugh. That's Milwaukee, right? Milwaukee Panthers. That's what. U of Milwaukee is called, yeah. correct? Yeah. Anyway, we're getting really sidetracked here. I do quickly want to mention a brief point. I know I mentioned this to you earlier. Yeah. But two out of the 44 bowl games played this year, like, meant something and were entertaining games. I already know what these are, but you go ahead and say them. Ohio State, Utah. We mentioned it briefly. Yeah. Probably the best Rose Bowl of all time. The Rose Bowl still means something. It's a big event. The people mm-hmm. in Pasadena care about it. Uh they sell tickets, you know, they have the parade and everything. Yeah, and like even if Olave and Wilson are opting out, there's still a lot of game to be played. And the reason why Olave and Wilson are opting out is because they're going to get millions of dollars next year. And they know that. So I don't I don't hold any grudges for them, honestly. Oh, yeah. And like I think Stroud said after the game, he made a point. He said it's the Rose Bowl, man. Like players right now that are playing right now still grew up on the Rose Bowl being one of the most important games. Mm-hmm. And especially as like especially a Ohio State, yeah, Wisconsin fans, Ohio State fans. No, the Rose Bowl, it feels important, and we're a far cry away from a Russell Wilson losing a Rose Bowl to Andrew Luck, which <laughs> that's wild, weird, weird to think about. But also, a, uh, Utah's uniforms and helmets that game, pristine. Utah killed adding, it with the adding uniforms a this rose year. to your uniform or helmet or whatever is always a plus. Like when TCU did it when they played Wisconsin that one year, wonderful. Uh, so always add a rose if you can to your logo. I mean, Utah literally has two U's in their logo, and they added a rose, and it looked amazing. So add a rose to your logo, basically. In the other bowl game I was quickly going to mention, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame. It, yeah. I, I don't know if it really had the importance factor, but I know no, a Notre Dame team wanted to prove something. Especially with Marcus Freeman. I know they, they felt like they belonged in the playoff, which they're wrong, but no. they felt like they did, and they, they played Don't tell a that good to Lee Corso. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma State was I think they were they thought they had a chance at the playoff I think they might have even made the playoff if they if, beat, if they beat Baylor they're in if they beat Baylor and 
I don't know. They they wanted to rebound, and they did rebound with a massive comeback win against a Notre Dame team, who I'm not a big fan of. But well, and to think too with Oklahoma State, what they turned the ball over six times in that Big Twelve championship game, and they were yeah. still just one yard short yeah. of winning the game. And I think Spencer. So I, I don't know the exact numbers, but Spencer Sanders did rebound, and he, I think he played a pretty good game against a good like a Kyle Hamilton Notre Dame defense. Like that's impressive. Also noted gunslinger Jack Cohen thrown sixty times that game. Jesus. <laughs> Jack Cohn isn't the answer. I'll, I'll die on that hill. I think Notre Dame is a five-star quarterback as a freshman this year, so I'm guessing they're going to go with him next year. I'm guessing that, too. I don't, is Cohn a senior? I think Cohn might even be a senior I now. I think Cohn is another year of eligibility, though, honestly. Transfer portal, maybe? I think. like I No, I think he can still play for Notre Dame, if you I remember correctly. Yeah. I don't know for sure, but... With COVID eligibility, I don't know who's a senior anymore. That's what I'm saying. So I have no idea. It's really difficult to determine who it is, but I'm guessing they're going to go with, and I, I apologize, I can't remember his name, but they're a five-star freshman quarterback who's going to be a sophomore next year. Uh, I think they'll go with him. And here's the thing, too. like, I know it's not a good look to to give up a comeback like that against Oklahoma State, but I think Notre Dame had the best hire of the coaching carousel, and they didn't even need to go out of their program. Like, I think Marcus Freeman is the guy. I don't think Notre Dame's going to be winning any national championships, but... I think Notre Dame is going to stay a relevant program just because of Marcus Freeman and the backing that he had from that defense that they wanted him. In. Like I mean, Kyle I, Hamilton wanted him as the yeah, head coach. Yeah, I think they're still the premier independent team, right? Like oh, yeah. They, they certainly I feel mean, like BYU is making a case, I think. Should, well, BYU is going to be in the Big 12, that's, so that's that, not that going to be the case. That is true. BYU, I should say, made a case this year. They were a good football team. They yeah, lost Pac, their bowl, Pac-12 champions. Lost their bowl game to the UAB, right? Yeah, we mentioned that. Yeah, on, we mentioned yeah. that because we all bet BYU to just kind of hammer, and uh, it, it started torrential uh, downpour, yeah. uh, or a torrential downpour, excuse me, kind of hindered their chances to win that game against UAB. But anyway, I digress. I know some people, if you're listening, you might think to yourself, oh, you know, Iowa-Kentucky was a good bowl game. That that game didn't matter. I think that's the it point. It was literally on before I had to go to work, and I just watched it because it was on. Like, that I was think that the point it, is in, people in trying, the UTVS to make, trying to make – Iowa was number two at the country at in some point, and they had, like, real national championship aspirations. I, I can't imagine the game felt good to even be in if you're no. a Hawkeye player. I mean, like, except except for the – Elvis impersonator who had that Iowa suit on uh, in the front row. I mean, that meant something to him. I mean, diehard fans are diehard. Here's the fans. thing: like, play at least play for the Outback Bowl, because then you can either get coconut shrimp or bloomin' onion. And if you're Iowa, you get coconut shrimp, which I love the fact that the Big Ten is the is the coconut shrimp because coconut shrimp is so good. <laughs> Have I ever had Outback before? No, but I might consider it. You know, one of these days. And when Minnesota beat Auburn, I was fully considering going to an Outback. So who knows? Hey, there, there you go. And. I think I don't want to like discredit Kentucky when we're mentioning this game because it's a good ESPN analyst had him going to the top four in the college football playoff like six weeks ago or something like it's, that, which was wild. It's but. a good look for a Kentucky program that it's it's a basketball school. Let's be honest, their yeah. their main calling is basketball, and they've been rebuilding the program up a little bit over the last years, and they're starting to find some football talent to field competitive football teams. And well, here's like, the thing: like I, Kentucky's not a big state, but you can find football players in Kentucky. Yeah especially any southeastern area. Like, there are going to be some dogs down there that you can pick up, so I'm not surprised. And another bowl game I do quickly want to mention, I think this is maybe arguably better than the Rose Bowl in terms of a game. Uh, Purdue and Tennessee played a very good overtime game. So Tennessee won, right? Purdue won. Purdue won? Purdue won, 48-45, if I'm not mistaken. Because I, I think Paul Feinbaum went on a rant or something about that game, and it was like, dude, what are you talking about? So I don't... It's all SEC heads kind of coping and molding and seething and, you know, whatever Twitter words you want to use. I so. think at, at one point the Big Ten, after the Badgers won, they were undefeated. 
yeah. in bowl games. And then the the Rutgers loss was their first loss, followed by Michigan. And I think someone else lost. I'm trying, trying to remember. I think Big Ten was the best conference in terms of bowl games this year, which don't, like, take that as a abbreviation of it. Penn State, that's who lost. They lost to Arkansas on New Year's Day. Arkansas. Which, why did Penn State and Arkansas get to play on New Year's Day? That's a whole because nother. Because it's Penn State. I'm not, I don't mind Arkansas playing a New Year's Six game. Like, it's not a good pick, don't get me wrong, but I don't mind it. Penn State at 7-5 and five should not be getting a New Year's Six game. Absolutely ridiculous. I think I did mention that briefly on yeah. on the show when I was talking put, about. Put LSU and KSU who are playing right now, put them in a New Year's Six bowl instead, instead of Penn State, honestly. For maximum entertainment. Uh, Max Johnson. <laughs> uh, do, can I mention one more thing here? Sure. So I mentioned that networks have kind of ruined this. And I, I feel like, listen, I'm not going to beat on a dead, like, I am going to dogpile here a little bit, but, like, everybody doesn't like Kirk Herbstreit and Desmond Howard right now because of what they said about, oh, you know, this new generation just doesn't love football. Who created this money problem in college football? Who? It was the administrations, the coaches, the networks. Like, it's their fault. So I, I, don't, I don't understand. Well, I do understand what it is. It's because it's old people and they don't understand, you know, uh, what's going on. But, like, I... <laughs> I don't understand where these old heads are coming from when it when it comes to like why it's the players' fault. The players are responding to an issue where the idea of a student athlete is no longer a thing. There's no such thing as a student athlete anymore. And you know why that was made clear to me? Because when COVID first started, guess what North Carolina did for their football and basketball programs? They asked them to stay on campus to play games. What what for? Profit, money. That's why. There's no reason why a college student should be asked to stay on campus during when the pandemic was still like starting. Now, we can get into semantics about how dangerous it is right now and everything, and I'm not going to get into that. But when it first started, North Carolina wanted their football and basketball teams still on campus. They're not student athletes anymore. Nope. And I mean, we're seeing it with the, with the money that some of these college athletes are getting with deals right now and i mean quinn ear has got an nil deal and then bolted to texas <laughs> which i mean it's good for athletes to get that money and i yeah. know it's good but i think that's not that the problem for me is that some students who aren't on scholarships are paying 50 grand 60 grand a year yeah they have to, they have to go to school they have to pay for it and they have to practice and most of the times they ride the bench during the games well, Which is ridiculous that they're not getting compensated for some of the work that they're putting in. And being a college athlete, and I know that this is the stat for major sports. I don't know what it is for other sports outside of the major four. Uh, and hot, I guess major three. Even major two at the college level. Like baseball is really big down south. College hockey is big in the Midwest and East. So I don't – the big two, basketball and football, that's a 40-hour job a week. Oh, yeah. So – and I'm not a big proponent of schools cutting checks for players – but I honestly don't know what's going to level the playing field at this point. Because, like you said, walk-ons are busting their asses every single week. And there's yeah. no there's no cut for them. Like, like maybe unless, like, a pizza shop wants to make a big NIL deal with the offensive lineman of some team, you know, like a fun little promo. Like, that's it. Like, you're going to get, like, some cool little, like, local stuff. But that's it. Like, you don't have, like, a Bryce Young type of potential in every exactly. campus. I mean, you don't have a C.J. Stroud type of potential in every campus. Is that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud's fault? No, that's not the point. But, like, Arkansas's left guard isn't going to get the same NIL deal as, like, the Heisman frontrunner or even the quarterback at the same school. Like, yeah. and that's just not how it works. And, you know, under a free market system, that's, you know, what 
the ideal scenarios hey the 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 money is where it goes you know everything so we're getting into deeper economic issues than that and we're not qualified to talk about it absolutely not but it is interesting to kind of think about this because the nil deal kind of opens up the spot like the pac-12 student athletes wanted to unionize this year like, like that's like, a like huge wrap your deal head, yeah, wrap your head that's around a huge that, right? deal so there's, there's a lot of moving parts to this but any sort of like I don't want to hear player bashing like it, you could have some arguments for it, but maybe more on an individual basis where like I think what we should be looking at here is the fact that college football, this is a comedy of errors on the networks and the administrations that run it because they act like these these students are just hungry for money when it's their fault, you know, and the the college hiring the coach hiring process is broken. The money system is broken. So everything is like, and that's that's a big thing with college football. And you know, not to be the whole thing. It's like, oh, you know, you know, yada yada yada. Economic systems and capitalist free markets ruin every. Like, I'm not trying to be like that, but it, like, this is a completely different college football than what like ten years ago. Like, it's changed overnight. It feels like it's crazy. I don't want to go as far as to say that the introduction of a college football playoff ruined football because i know everyone wanted it and i know even at the time when it was introduced i wanted it i was like yeah, i want a national here. championship well also funny i think we mentioned this on the pod like when when we when the college football playoff rankings are coming out but uh it was pointed out that there were cincinnati fans in the original college football playoff promo saying no computers to keep us out so i thought that was funny with the push to keep cincinnati out of the playoffs this year which is, i mean i don't know it's just it feels like a far cry to me when it's an invitational the, when the big 10 and you know they cared about the Rose Bowl and the SEC. They cared about the Orange Bowl. And, like, the Florida teams that were playing in Orange Bowls with Tim Tebow. Yeah. And I know, like I said it earlier, the Badgers teams with Russell Wilson that were playing in Rose Bowls. Those games felt more important. And for Wisconsin and Florida, in, those are the most important games they've played in the last 10 years. Yeah, and, like, that's one thing, too, with in terms of, like, tightening and, you know, making stricter kind of qualify, qualifiers for bowl games. Like, honestly, there should only be, like, 12 bowl games. And like a whole I'm, season. I'm 100% in on that. And they should be like eight or nine win teams. Like the the Big Ten, and we can go into this more. I'm under kind of the impression now where I just kind of want to strip it all down and, hey, everybody plays their bowl games, and then a national champion is decided after. So the writers or some sort of committee just votes on it because it's not going to change anything. Like it's still going to be bad regardless. There's still going to be subjectivity with it. So let's say, let's say Ohio State goes undefeated, and they play like – a Utah or a Washington or, you know what, like Washington might be actually good next year, which we'll talk about next year. Uh, but Washington might be a good football team. I don't know about that, but we'll see. You know, any Pac-12 team. And let's say like Alabama plays in the Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. And the AP poll has to decide now between Alabama and Ohio State. Like that's, it's the same thing to me at this point as a college football playoff. Because I know that in college football playoff you have to play games, but who chooses who can play those games? It's a tight committee, and you're not in it. You're not a part of it. Nope. You don't have a decision. I would rather have a bunch of snobby writers who have to push up their glasses every five minutes to decide that for me because they watch football. So I think it's a, fa- it's a fair point. Nobody knows ball, by the way. And football is so complicated. Nobody knows ball. I Nobody knows I ball. I don't know if I like necessarily agree with eliminating the college football playoff, but I think the one thing I think everyone should be able to agree on is that the four-team system isn't working. No. It's it's not what we thought it was going to be. It's it's repetitive. It feels like it's the same thing every year. And it feels like your favorite college football team, unless you're living in Alabama or Oklahoma or Georgia, 
has no chance, and they're not going to play any meaningful games outside of their trophy game of some sticks thrown together on a pile. Well, and it's funny, too, like, I know that we're getting into the BCS system now, which, God forbid, the BCS comes back, but wasn't it more than computers? Like, wasn't there a committee, like, writers that were involved with it, too? Like, I thought there was more to it than just the computer system, right? There, I think there was. I don't, I think the so, computer system is So then, why, upset. and that's the thing, like, People got upset at the computers when it's the same problem, subjectivity in college football, where people are trying to sway the vote. Like, writers and committee members and coaches had as much sway as the computers. It's just the number that they would show next to the next to the teams was the computer number. It's like, oh, this computer doesn't know anything about football, you know, whatever. So I mean, yeah, people were acting like it's a Twitter poll deciding what rank We're running into the same be. problems regardless of computer or no computer. Like, this is not like a big game boomer Twitter account ranking Oklahoma at number one at the end of the season no. this year. Like, it's not that bad. Like, you can calm down. Boomasuna. <laughs> which I know I've told you I don't like big game boomer and – I think all Whatever. their all their stuff is stupid. I think it's I, I I have some Twitter pages I don't like either. Like Barry McCockner, not funny. He hasn't been funny for a while, and I think he has bad sports takes. Super hot take, right? Oh, he's really gonna care about me, but there is a lot of bad sports Twitter. Like I can't stand Barstool, honestly. Like I know maybe some people like Barstool. There might even be people listening who like Barstool. That's cool, but like I don't like Dave Portnoy. I like Spitting Chicklets. I'll say that Spitting Chicklets is pretty good, right? I think that's I'm I'm fine with it. I don't so, I don't, I don't like know. But like there there's either. a lot of bad sports pages. But like you but said, like thank God it's not like a Twitter poll because oh my God, wouldn't that be kind of fun though? Maybe. Ma- maybe. Maybe not. Maybe that's just for the sickos committee to have a Twitter. It, w- it poll. would be funny. Because like would be funny. Nebraska being number one this year in the sickos poll is pretty amazing to me. That's pretty awesome. That is the college football moment of the year. Yeah, and I think that is a perfect way to end our little college football half of, of the show. And boy, am I ready for the second and half. We're gonna cause I, cause I we are going to stay this. with the college students, the 18 to 24-year-old athletes. Sometimes 20, 26 in this 26. sport. In this sport specifically. You're right. We love COVID eligibility and graduate students. My captain, Spencer Meyer. Which means you love college hockey. I've prepared, I think, what do we got here? Five questions and Yeah, I mean we we're running through this like a like a speech and debate club. Like this is we we had done a lot more prep for this topic than many others. Like not saying that we don't put prep into the show, but this feels special right now. I'm not gonna try to hate on Jules here, but I don't think college or I don't wanna see even college hockey. He likes college hockey. Well, Even here's the hockey thing. Hockey in general is maybe not his forte well, in, in terms of everything. And Jules is getting into hockey this year. Like yeah. he's watched hockey, you know, pass. Like here's the thing. Like my my blind spots are probably football and baseball. And that's just probably how it is. Like everybody has blind spots. Julian is learning a lot about hockey, so he will get into these conversations with us for sure. He knows plenty about St. Cloud State, so that's more than enough. But you and I are uh, developing some arguments, I think, and maybe not necessarily heated, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about you know. Who we think is going to go far? Because uh, what we're past the halfway point now, a little bit. Of yeah, the we're, we're about thirty minutes into the show, which I think we're making. That's great time. We're making great time. Not only that, halfway through the college hockey season. So. Speaking of which, yeah. you are correct, and you brought up Saint Cloud. So uh, on that note, I think we have to talk about Saint Cloud. Obviously, we're all we're all Huskies here, and yeah. we, I got to ask, how far can they go? And does having Sam Henches back make like that difference? With Henches, or Henkes, excuse me, on this team, Sammy Boy himself, one of the best skaters in college hockey, probably the best that I've seen so far this year, and that might be disrespectful to some guys that I haven't watched yet, but Sam Henkes is astounding. Uh, this is a Frozen Four team with Sam Henkes uh, in the lineup, and 
I don't think that's necessarily a hot take. Not saying that they're a lock for the Frozen Four. Nobody's a lock in college hockey. Single-game elimination. It is unfair to the sport of hockey that a single-elimination tournament decides in college. But, hey, college sports are like that. It's it's down. It's tense. It's to the wire. Um, but, I mean, he's one of the best skaters in college hockey, uh, and that's why the Wild drafted him. Like, I totally see that. I mean, hey, Sam Henkes and Jack Peart, a couple of Huskies in the Wild draft, the uh, prospect uh, ringer. I mean, not too bad. So... Uh, what, in seven games played, he has three goals, four assists, seven points. Astounding. Like, that's great. Like, to be more impressive, you need to have, like, five goals. And even then, like, I don't expect that from Sam Henkin. You don't like, expect that from anyone in college. There are so many good players on this St. Cloud team. The line that he plays on is Brodzinski, Walker, and Henkes. That is Easton Brodzinski, Nolan Walker, and Sam Henkes. The experience that is a filthy on that line. line. And that's the second line. That is the best second line in college hockey. Unquestionable. And maybe it is questionable. Maybe we're just St. Cloud homers, nope. and that nope. and that's how it is. And I know you're gonna, but hey, St. Cloud has the best second line in college hockey this year. Uh, and one thing that makes me more excited is Sam Henkes is still trying to get warmed up to the power play. That's 35.9 percent in the nation. He has one power play point, one power play assist. And that's it right now. But if he starts heating up on the power play, a a power play that is 6% better than the second best team, Providence at 29.9%. I this is and this is apples to oranges, this is professional to college, but when Tampa Bay got Nikita Kucherov back, that playoff power play was insane and it helped them win a cup. I would say a Frozen Four in a in a national championship in college hockey is difficult because of single elimination, but hey, you give yourself a chance with Sam Henkes in the lineup and that good of a power play. I think I, what I made sure I wrote down is I said they can win the whole thing. Like you have Yeah, to put, they can. You they have can. to put emphasis on the can. That's not saying everyone else who makes the tournament like can't win, but like it, it feels like a we different have, way when you have like, when you say it that way. I mean, we're we're thinking like 8 to 10 teams who can compete. And maybe 10's a little too much. I think we kind of got 8 teams in mind maybe. Yeah, I think that's fine. We'll we'll get into that shortly here. And I said I think if they're healthy, uh, they stay out of the penalty box, and as long as Rennick is on his B game or better, they can win the whole thing. Yeah, it it, it doesn't. Uh, maybe that's not fair to everyone else. I mean, like, I could sit here and say, "Oh, if Michigan realizes their potential, they'd beat everyone ten yeah. nothing." Which maybe that's true, but it's unrealistic. Saint Cloud made the Frozen Four with a twenty twelve and two record last year. They yeah. came out of nowhere. Like this is a team that has experience getting through. They've been kicked in the mouth twice. They were the number one overall seed against Air Force, and they lost in the first round. They were a top seed against AIC and lost in the first round in 2019. COVID cancellation in between those. But this is a team that knows how to fight through, and a lot of those guys came back. Brodzinski broke his leg in the, in the game to go to the Frozen Four, and St. Cloud made the national championship. They got stomped by UMass. Don't get me wrong. 5 nothing is 5 nothing, But they were the final two team without their best scorer. So I mean that that was that was something people I was reading some older articles today in preparation of the show, and pe- the people who were picking Saint Cloud as their favorite to win the whole thing this year made it clear that if Brodzinski is there this year, it's a different hockey team. Oh yeah, I don't know if he's their de, de facto leader. Like, if he's their he, scoring it, leader. I can tell you that when when we're looking for a guy to win the game on his stick or put Saint Cloud over the edge, it's Brodzinski. Brodzinski has some problems. He takes too many sportsman uh, conduct penalties, like unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Like he needs to stay out of the box sometimes. But St. Cloud has still won some games with him making some dumb decisions on the ice. So that kid's got a shot. Like his shot is 
beautiful. Like, I don't even want to say disgusting. Like that feels like a, like that feels like bad to say, even though it's yeah. a good word in hockey. But man, his he's got a great wrister. He's got a great snap. Like that kid is crazy, and he's experienced. What is he like in his fifth year of college or something like that this year? I think I'm gonna make a like a very maybe this is a hot take here, but the way he has like a knack for scoring, it reminds me of an Alex DeBrinket. Ooh, okay. I know I mean, he doesn't have, like, a premier passer like, yeah. like the Brinkett has Kane. I'm not trying to compare anyone on St. Cloud to Patrick Kane. And Nolan or, Walker can or st- even, can string it tape to tape a little bit. He's not even, a premier passer, but, yeah, you know. Or even, you know, an Alex to Brinkett. But the way he, he finds the net, he he gives himself an opportunity to score if he gets the puck, and he doesn't necessarily expect it. And I think that's important. You don't want to expect the puck because then you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. But when the puck finds your stick and you, you can just let it fly and not even think twice about it, that's more valuable than people think it is because decision-making in hockey is really hard. Well, and that's another thing, too. Like, I don't think Brodzinski scored in the home game against Bemidji State last Saturday, and he was on the power play for most of it, and he was making passes. Like, it's not a guy who's necessarily a puck hog. Now, he's got an open lane. He's he's shooting the puck. Don't get me wrong. But like you said, like, he's got that motor in him where he can make the right play. Like, he'll be aggressive. There's a good mix of it, and sometimes when you're aggressive, you miss out on opportunities to give it to your teammates, and that's just a part of hockey, but... I like the balance, you know. I do. I was going to bring up something quickly. You mentioned our power play, and I think Okabe, he has six goals this season. All six yep, of them yep. are on the power play. And adding, adding – he's, he's a part of one of those international guys because he, he plays on the finish line too with uh, Mietnin and Cranola. I almost said Cranola. My apologies. But Okabe, Cranola, and uh, Mietnin as a third line is also pretty insane. Mietnin is a ticking time bomb right now in my opinion. He was the leading goal scorer for St. Cloud last year. He's found the net a few times, but he's taking the same amount of shots. He's like Kevin Fiala a lot, in my opinion. Like he it just scored, he scored once in the one last Bemidji game, and well, he and that's what I mean. Like he, yeah. he needs to pick up the pace yeah. here because he's not going to reach his goal total from last year. Like, that's not going to happen. But the dude was a Hobie Baker watch like list at the start of the season this year, and obviously like slumps happen, you know, whatever. And I'm not saying that he's the same player as Kevin Fiala. Kevin Fiala is a world class hockey player, but in terms of like trying and just you know not through a lack of trying not scoring but definitely trying and not being able to score Vetti has been up there and hey if that third line and second line get going here with Vetti and 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 Sammy like I mean I think this is a I think this is a ticket to Boston honestly I think that might be one of the only things we agree on coming up here yeah, we've got some different. I think we're agreeing on another team up here pretty soon. I think we got two of our four agreed on, but I think we're, after yeah, that. Yeah, very quickly for our our second question that I have here today, I, we're gonna stay in the NCHC and we're gonna talk about North Dakota. Yeah. Can anyone catch them? They've jumped out to what is probably a pretty big lead. Could be considered a pretty big league uh, at halfway point in the season. It's not a lot, and the point system is different. And yeah, three points for a regulation yeah. win. So yeah, but what what I'm asking is, can anyone catch them? I think your best bet is Western Michigan. Uh, you're going to disagree with me on that. I already know that. But in terms of teams that are in the best position right now, they have 18 points compared to North Dakota's 24, as last time I checked. So they're only two wins behind. In comparison for teams like Duluth and St. Cloud, who are sitting at 13 and 12, that's that's four wins. Or for Duluth, it's like three and you know two-thirds <laughs> of a win back, which doesn't really matter. But, like... Uh, in terms of like, if we want to look at the team with the out, like the most outside shot, you're looking at three teams. So I'm going to rank these in terms of like 
best shot and then the three outside chances. Your best shot is Michigan, Western Michigan, excuse me, even though they have a brutal schedule down the stretch, and I totally get that, but I think that they can win some games. I think St. Cloud sweeps them, but maybe that's just me being upset that uh, St. Cloud got swept in Kalamazoo, but, you know, who knows. Um, but Western Michigan's in a good spot. Uh, who Whoever comes away victorious in terms of the point total between – Duluth and St. Cloud this weekend, which is a huge series, by the way, coming up. I'll be filming that on camera. Wish I was calling it, but maybe that's something for next year. Uh, that's going to go a long way because if Duluth, let's say Duluth sweeps, they then sit at 19 points. If St. Cloud sweeps, they sit at 18. They're right back in the mix then. Uh, the other team you want to look at is Denver. The problem with Denver, they only play North Dakota two times this year. They already played them. They got swept. So North Dakota has games in hand against Denver. So I think Western Michigan is your best bet in terms of right now. Uh, after this weekend, I think the field's going to clear up a little bit here in terms of, like, the top three teams in the NCHC. And, you know, that could be – that'll be UND, uh, Western Michigan, and then whoever comes out on top between Duluth and St. Cloud State. And I think one thing that I'm understanding here is if Duluth loses both games to St. Cloud State, pretty sure they're 10-10. and 10. So – uh, I, I am that might be an interesting I am going to consider Duluth as the team that might catch. Yeah. Um, I think I know you you're really focusing on the St. Cloud series. It's at home for them. They're in they're in Denver for this. My apologies. Right? Duluth would be 11, 10 and 1 if St. Cloud sweeps. So still not great, but that's a very different spot than something like 13, 8 and 1 or 12, yeah. 9 and 1. Yeah. So for Denver, I they have the series uh, their next series is actually the St. Cloud one, so they have it off this weekend. And uh, then uh, what? They It'll be up. in Denver. Yeah, they're in Denver for the St. Cloud. And honestly, though, that's the last hard series they have. They get Colorado, Miami after that, Omaha. They have Duluth. So maybe, I don't know, if you consider Duluth a hard series, I think Denver is certainly capable of earning a split in that. Well, and it's going to be a clashing of styles because Denver scores. They score a lot. They're the number one team in scoring. Uh, five on five in power play, you know, whatever, you know, just straight up scoring. 4.67 goals per game as a team. Uh, Duluth is a team that just demoralizes you with their size and strength because Duluth is a big hockey team. So that'll be interesting to watch uh, between those two if uh, we can watch it. I don't know uh, if flow hockey is going to be kind to me um, or if we're not not going <laughs> to use uh, any other types of services. And I know I said, sorry, I'm going to stand corrected when I said yeah. it's their last hard series. They play uh, Western Michigan and Kalamazoo. Mm. I, uh, that's tough. That's you're giving hard. me you're giving me shivers. Like it's but bad. after that they get Omaha and Colorado College again for their last two series. Yeah. So five and Omaha is still a tough out too. And maybe yeah. that's just the St. Cloud State fan trying to cope with the fact that we split against them. Or not really split, but we lost in overtime the second time. So not really a split, but five points in comparison to two. But I mean, like Omaha, Isaac Seville's a good goalie. Taylor Ward is a good scorer. So no. Like, outside of Colorado College and Miami, nobody is a tough out in the NCHC. Absolutely nobody. But I think the thing I'm trying to get at is a Denver is a good hockey team. They, You mentioned it. They score, and they score a lot. And it, that makes them capable of beating even a Western Michigan team in yeah. Kalamazoo. Would I another bet, team that puts up a lot of points. Would, I bet, would I bet on it? Like, absolutely not. But I think it's they'd possible. probably split, honestly. Probably split. And, yeah, I mean, if you just go through the schedule, they earn a split. With, let's say they earn a split with St. Cloud. They sweep Colorado College. They sweep Miami, split with Omaha, split with Duluth. They split with Western Michigan, sweep Omaha, and sweep Colorado College. That's, they put it. them in a good spot. And I know that might, might rely on uh, North Dakota being like kind of average down the stretch, yeah. especially with the games in hand against them. 
but Denver can catch them and they just, it's just they tough need to not they got look swept at the by North Dakota. Like that's the yeah. big thing. Like it's just really difficult cuz I mean North Dakota is what 8 and 2, Western Michigan 6 and 4 and this is in conference records this is not overall in conference records matter more per se. Uh Denver is 5 and 3, Minnesota Duluth is 4 3 and 1 and St. Cloud State is 4 and 4 along with Omaha. So it's still possible but man, I maybe you just start thinking about the Penrose Cup now, honestly, for for the rest of the teams outside of North Dakota cuz to have a six-point lead on Western Michigan right now, I think, is kind of the big deal. It it, it does feel. It, I mean, I don't know. If, in terms know, of uh, betting money on who's going to win the NCHC at the halfway point, you put your money on North Dakota. I think both of us can agree absolutely. on that. So, I mean, but it, don't if, listen to us. We're not good betters. Yeah, if, you, if you're gonna, if you're gonna put money on any other teams, I think Denver and Western Michigan are your best bet. I think you should stay away from a Saint Cloud. Yeah, it's a it's a it, long climb. It feels like they, they've dug they themselves. I don't want to even say they've dug themselves in a hole, but it just feels like they haven't. They didn't do enough. And getting swept by Western Michigan is it huge. was brutal. Yeah, and and I get that that's been a tough spot for them, and they'll have plenty of opportunities to resurrect it. Like like I said, like I think that they could sweep Western Michigan when they come to Herb, the Herb Brooks Center. I think it's completely possible. So, you know, obviously you don't want to throw the baby out with the bath. You know, when you lose two in a tough environment, but. Man, North Dakota is a really good shot. Uh, has a really is in a really good spot. Excuse me. And in terms of outside shots, whoever comes out victorious in this Duluth St. Cloud series uh, is going to be that outside chance. And if they split, they don't do either of themselves any favors, in my opinion. One of these teams needs to win two games, and if and one team either that or one team needs to win in regulation and then lose an overtime game. Like that's the only way that we're gonna get you know kind of a separation between some of these teams right now. I think that's probably a good wrap on NCHC talk. And uh, we're going to quickly pivot over to the far less superior division Yuck. in the Big Ten. Yuck. I think I have a simple question. Is anyone they from ruined the college hockey? Yes. Yes, they did. Is anyone from the Big Ten a threat? Uh, Michigan. Uh, Michigan is your biggest threat. And that's just kind of self-evident in the fact that they have four first-round draft picks and they're f- top five players. Owen Power being the number one overall pick. Matty Beneers being up there, too. I think Beneers was second overall, wasn't he? Or was he? No. He might have been third. I think. Because I think. I, why do I have, Gunth, I have. Was it Gunther that was two? I have I have three in my head for some reason. So I, I maybe. Regardless. I could be completely wrong. Uh, Michigan is just so talented. Their goalie uh, isn't absolutely spectacular this year uh, by any means. But, I mean, it's not like you need. When you have that. Uh, when you have that good <laughs> of a of a starting five in front of you. You're going to need to, like, purposely be bad to mess up, and more specifically that being Eric Portillo, not the uh, – not, I'm guessing not related to the hot dog shop, but, I mean, Eric Portillo, uh, what is he, 21st in save percentage, 917. It's fine. You look at some of these other goalies that are putting up s- some great numbers, it's not that impressive, but, hey, if you got a solid guy in net, when you got that much talent, I think you give yourself a good chance. Um, a lot of guys are going to point to Minnesota – I don't take them seriously. I'll be 100% honest with you. And maybe that's just because I'm still salty about homecoming uh, for St. Cloud State. Uh, yes, as, it, you, as you should be. Yes, it was a penalty. I'm not saying that St. Cloud would have for sure won it, but you take a team out of the game by doing that. Minnesota still could have easily won if they killed that penalty. Like it's, I'm not saying that St. Cloud was going to score, but you, you, when, when that happens and Sammy Walker gets the puck on his stick with nobody around him, Minnesota's going to win. So... Thank goodness it was in overtime and it was non-conference, so it doesn't hurt St. Cloud a ton, you know. So, and you know, it got a statement out of the NCHC. Granted, because fans were throwing stuff on the ice, but um, I would have let's call it critical support for the fans uh, in doing that a long time ago. So we should probably get off of that now because we're gonna sound salty. But 
I just don't take Minnesota seriously. They have 14 NHL draft picks. It's awesome. Jack LaFontaine is an absolute sieve, uh, and they those guys don't know how to play with each other. Uh, I respect Sammy Walker a lot. I think Sammy Walker's a great hockey player, and there's a reason why he's been a captain at Minnesota for a long time. Minnesota is one of these teams that has multiple captains. St. Cloud State women's hockey does it too. I don't really get it, but, you know, I digress. So, But, hey, I mean, Minnesota can be good. I'm not saying that, oh, it's completely impossible for them to be in the Frozen Four, but they're not in my top eight. You know, I'll be honest with you. I think the top eight, I think there's a pretty clear cutoff in the top eight yeah. for me. And, you know, it gets really fuzzy when you go from three to eight, in my opinion. So I think very quickly before we hop into the next question, I'm going to – I'm just going to agree with you. I, I think, I mean, uh, I, I said this to you earlier. I I need to see it from Michigan first. Yeah. And I need to see it from Minnesota. Well, and Michigan and has gonna, some has some head-scratching losses. And I think you're going to bring this up later. But the getting swept by Notre Dame really yeah. raised an eyebrow for me. Not yeah. that Notre Dame is bad, but I just I know, I know I Notre, I Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, we, could, gonna, we could talk about Notre Dame, too. And I think I, I might mention them as like a sleeper. Um, also, late, later, uh, but. stop with the nonsense that I see on Instagram that Ohio State is being taken seriously. Please, God, stop it. They beat Bowling Green two times, and people think that they're the best thing since sliced bread. Ohio State is not a good hockey team. They got pushed around by Michigan uh, on home ice in Columbus. So, no, <laughs> Ohio State, they can maybe make the 16, which they probably will, but I, I, I don't think that they're going anywhere. So, Michigan's think, yeah. the only team I take seriously. Yeah, I think, that, I think we can wrap up the Big Ten there. And I'm going to... Quickly, I know since we've been kind of preluding to it, but the four teams and the Frozen Four, who are they going to be? I mean, do we want to go over any more conferences at all? Like, are we kind of... We mean, could we could quickly talk I mean, about the, the, the CCHA and the kind of min- ECAC. It's kind of Mankato, right? Like, Mankato's kind of got that on lock, right? Do yeah, we feel I that? Yeah, I mean, I, we could talk about... I mean, uh, maybe you're going to talk about Quinnipiac here when we talk about yeah, Frozen Four. Yeah, and maybe. I mean, I, I don't want to, like, discredit anything that Cornell has done this season, but they haven't played. I haven't, seen, they, I haven't they watched haven't, them play yet. I, I, looking at their schedule, I haven't well, and the big seen difference, anything. The big difference between Quinnipiac and Cornell and why Quinnipiac is in my top eight and Cornell isn't is because Quinnipiac split with North Dakota. Uh, not that North Dakota is, like, this crazy good team that nobody can touch. I mean, St. Cloud State scored eight goals on them in one game, so I don't know how good their goalie situation is. But, hey, you play a Midwest team, and when Midwest hockey is the best – you know, hockey in the country this year. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So, um, I, I will quickly put some respect on I, Minnesota State. Doesn't need my respect. That's for oh sure. My God, they're good. They're so good. They're so good. B- Bemidji State and Michigan Tech, to a much lesser degree, have played pretty good hockey this year. Bemidji State has been playing a lot better on the road than at home, which I will never understand. What they're eight and three on the road and two and nine at home. Yeah. So like that's just crazy. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The, the, they laid a stinker against St. Cloud. That that sucks. And yeah, but that was Mi- only Michigan, their third loss on the road <laughs> all season. Michigan Tech quietly is only one point behind Bemidji State in uh, the CCHA. Another so husky, I, another Husky team. Michigan Tech. I mean, maybe keep an eye on them. I don't think there's anything. I don't know if we have the knowledge to be discussing Michigan Tech or even really Bemidji State right now. But, you know, keep an eye on them. Maybe they sneak into the 16. I don't know. Bemidji State looked really flat when I watched them play St. Cloud. Look, and maybe that's bad. unfair, but I just— The penalties drained them. It was— Well, not only that, like, you want to look at teams like— Let's say Bemidji State gets in uh, in the field of 16. Is watching that St. Cloud series really going to inspire you to maybe see them upset? Like, they just looked flat. Like, they looked like they had, like, balls and chains attached to their it skates. It was bad, yeah. They, w- they just it looked sucked. slow. 
the, so. I'm, they they were panning over the bench and some they just looked it, the mood was it was panning over to the bench it was thanks bad. to my shots and the many other wonderful people at HP. I will not be working with HP next year, I don't think, but I'm a good group of good group of folks uh, <laughs> at Husky Productions. Okay, this year. So I think I think we can hop into our spend the last ten minutes or so of our show talking about yeah. Uh, maybe I don't know, know if we I should mean, really I, focus I, in I, on the floor. I have it printed out in full color, my frozen Brian floor. Brian has gone all out. I am sitting here with words typed on a Google Doc. I am. Now, no, I have plenty of words too, but I just wanted the no visual aid with near. me. Luckily, we're not doing a video, or I'd be getting put on a poster right now. But it's beautiful, isn't it? I don't know, it, it, I, took, yeah. it took me like two minutes to make. <laughs> It looks great. It it looks. This is a lot of copyright infringement, by the way. So it's not being shown on camera. Uh, not that anybody would slap me with a lawsuit. I don't think it's just photos from the internet. But technically, a copyright infringement. So uh, thank goodness there's no photo document uh, evidence of this existing. <laughs> just words on a, a podcast. Yeah. But I don't know if I really have a general question for the, for this one. I just I want to hear yours because you've seen mine, uh, and I'm I'm gonna talk about mine at nauseum. You know me. I talk at a million miles an hour, so I want to I want to hear you, and then uh, I am going to interrupt you when I disagree with you. <laughs> well, get ready for disagreement. Yeah. Because m- I think we agreed on our first three when we talked earlier. I think Minnesota State, or actually no, we agreed on two. Two. Minnesota State and St. Cloud. I this is I think Minnesota State will be the one seed. I'm not sure about the other three. Yeah. But I think St. Cloud sneaks in. I, we talked about that earlier. So I don't, know, I don't even know if sneaks in is even the right term for it. it like St. Cloud I, just might be good. It kind of feels like it this year. I feel except for Minnesota State, it feels like everyone else is just gonna like either sneak in, limp in, like whatever it yeah. may be. It's just gonna feel like the seeds aren't really gonna matter this year. Well, and obviously it's a bit too early to tell. But with the personnel that St. Cloud State's getting back, it feels like it might be a good spot for them to peak at the right time. If you know what I mean. So who knows? That, that is true. And my my third team, Western Michigan. I can't write them off. They they yeah, score and their defense. Have, you were mentioning some numbers to me earlier. Ethan Frank with 17 goals and seven assists for 24 Which is, points. It's ridiculous. Drew Warad with five goals and 22 assists. Like it's insane how how much they score. And they're good. I know I know they don't get to play out on the home ice during during a tournament, which it has been an advantage for them. But yeah, they're a good team. They they play from what I've seen are the two games I I saw them play against St. Cloud. They played really well together. They just looked flat out better than St. Cloud during those two games. Do you think the fact that it's an NHL size rink at Kalamazoo plays a difference at all? Not that it'd be a huge deal, but that's a 15-foot difference. St. Cloud State plays an Olympic size rink. I think North Dakota plays an Olympic size rink. I think Western Michigan is one of the only few teams that plays in an NHL size rink, so I don't know if that really changes things. I feel like it would slow the game down a little bit, though, wouldn't it? It's it's interesting. I know... I know when the back when the NHL players actually got to go to the Olympics. Shout out TJ Oshie. I'm never gonna forget that. Yeah. I know they were bothered by the ice being bigger. I don't know if it works the other way around. If if having a smaller ice. I feel like you would have more space you. though in a bigger rink. And maybe that's just how St. Cloud skates. Maybe I'm just putting too much stock into it. But it just looked like St. Cloud could not play on NHL sized ice because maybe, of how yeah, maybe because of how physical Western Michigan was. And Western Michigan has a like has a fire lit under their ass whenever they play us at home for some reason. So yeah, I, I don't know. We're checking on on a small Smaller ice is it's easier. It's just yeah. it's yeah. flat out easier. I mean, you can just having your stick on the ice. It takes up a larger percentage of room when you're on a smaller, you know, rink. Yeah. And I I don't know. Maybe it's something to look into. I I'm I don't really know. Probably how not. Much of a probably not it makes. as much of a deal as I'm making it. I'm just curious. That's all. Yeah, I mean, maybe it could just be like the five minutes when you first hop on the ice. You're like, oh, it's smaller, and then you just yeah. kind of get used to it. I don't know. We're not college. Probably collegiate level hockey players. I wish we were. That'd be pretty fun to play college hockey. That would be great. 
But uh, I think some disagreements coming because my fourth team is Denver. I get it. Here's the thing: like, I'm I'm not gonna completely disagree with you. I get why you're picking Denver. I totally get it. But I can't. There's so many. There's so many teams, and I just don't know if if Denver has the has the goaltending to do that. Here's my theory. Denver's first round matchup in, in a 16 will be a team that they're just flat out better than. I think they're going to oh, get yeah. like a. Maybe Denver's a, not going to get a tough team until the final eight. A six or seven team, and I think in the eighth, in the eighth, or the, the field of eight. I don't know if I elite eight is the correct term. We'll call this. it the elite eight because it's fun. Sure, the elite eight. I think they're going to get matched up against a Minnesota team, and I okay. think Denver beats that Minnesota team every day of the week. Is it going to be the University of Minnesota? Because that yeah. if they play yep. U if they play U of M, they're making yeah, that's the Frozen what, Four. That's what I'm. That's what I mean. They're going to yeah. beat the Gophers and they're going going to go to the Four. Okay, I can see that then. And I think they'll probably match up with Western Michigan, which is going to be Ooh. great because I'd love to see that too. So you have four NCHC teams in the Frozen Four. four I know. Of them. I know, and I I'm going to quickly mention or three of them. Excuse me, three of the four. I thought about Notre Dame. Being, which being I think I think you are an insane man for thinking about Notre Dame, but I'll I'll hear you out. Their goaltending is great. That's true. They've got and like two good starters. Like, and they have the best. They have the best penalty kill. Also, in, uh, Denver's goalie Magnus Krana has a 9.02 save percentage, so not that's not great, very good. Scoring 4.6 goals per game, I your goalie. That's I mean, true. It matters. That's true. A little bit less. Well, and on the flip side, Notre Dame, what? Uh, their goalies 9.30 and 9.28 save percentage, so it's impressive. That's good, but I think my reason for not putting Notre Dame is Notre Dame in a team I can see Notre Dame upsetting is Saint Cloud, and I just I can't not have Saint Cloud in in the Final Four. It felt wrong not to put them there. Yeah, it kind of defies logic to not put them in there if they're healthy. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I think Notre Dame makes it to the the round of eight with an upset in the first round, but I think Saint Cloud is gonna probably stop them, or some other team will stop them in. And here's the thing, it'll too. It'll be cool. It'll, it'll be nice to see a, the Cinderella, per se, of the story being Notre Dame this year well, is my prediction. Here's my thing. Because, like, this 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 picture that we're trying to paint is not clear enough yet because we don't have the field of 16 in yet. A lot of these is, a lot of this is matchup dependent. That is a big thing. Um, I don't think Notre Dame beats St. Cloud State. It's possible. I'm not saying that it isn't because you run into a hot goalie that can destroy your whole season, and I totally get it. And... Rennick might be a little bit shaky uh, sometimes. That's one thing. Definitely say I'm very happy that Caster got the start uh, on Saturday. I know both you and I were kind of clamoring for that in conversations we had in private for multiple weeks. So, yep. uh, uh, for me, uh, I've got Mankato as the one seed. I mean, you got Dryden McKay. You got a chance to win it all. Um, now, Dryden McKay does not play that well against us, uh, except for that one time where he shut us out one nothing. But we came back and beat him three nothing the next night. So. Uh, also, the load management that college uh, hockey goalies go through is basically non-existent. They just straight up play every game. So I don't know how in the world Dryden McKay is able to, but hey, he's already putting up an NHL type of like he's playing all 44 games, and that's what you would expect at the NHL level. So hey, I mean that's something. But you got Dryden McKay, you got a chance, and that's understating how good the rest of that Mankato roster is. Like I could list off a ton of names. And I would be here for 15 minutes, you know, talking about all the names that Mankato has. Offense, defense, centers, wingers. Like, they're just so good. Like, all across the board. They're just solid. And and that's a big thing, like consistency. In a year where college hockey has not been consistent at all. Like, a lot of one seeds losing. So, Mankato has been that consistent team. And that makes me a, a lot more confident putting St. Cloud as the two team. 
because the one time that they lost to Mankato was one nothing. The time that they beat him was three nothing. Three nothing is a lot more impressive than than one nothing. And I'm gonna ride the fence here on narratives, but if we're going under the impression here, because apparently North Dakota's five to three win is more impressive than St. Cloud's eight to one win for some reason, but if it's a Saturday game, St. Cloud beat Mankato three nothing on Saturday. Earlier in the season, I will say that, but if we're under this idea, which I think is bunk, that Saturday games are more important than Friday games, which it may feel that way, but hey, they still count for the same amount of points. So I don't know how in the world, and I know both you and I are frustrated at that, but like the fact that North Dakota's 5-3 to three win was deemed more impressive than St. Cloud's 8-1 to one is ridiculous to me. Like, Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, absolutely. It's I, so stupid. It, I don't it get really it. sucks because I, I had that time of my life in the 8-1 to one oh, game. Oh, yeah, student, you were in the, in the student, student section. section. <laughs> I was, my voice did not sound normal, per se. Yeah, so, uh, I mean. After that game. It's just, it's so silly. So, St. Cloud is my two team. Uh, they, I would want them to be one. I'd want them to be 34-0 and 0 and all that. But it's, they've dug themselves too deep of a hole here, starting out 10-6, and 6, heading into the half halfway break. So, I think they'll be fine. They've got experience. They've got leadership all up and down. They're getting Sam Henkes back. They're getting Jack Peart back from World Juniors. This is a good St. Cloud yeah. team, and there's no real reason. You can talk yourself out of it. That's the thing. Like, If you're not putting St. Cloud State in, you're talking yourself out of it, which is valid. Like, I totally get it. But if you have to talk yourself out of putting a team in, it becomes more difficult. I think that's fair because you can only say that for two teams right now. It's Minnesota State and St. Cloud. You, you can't. You're talking yourself out, like you said, if if you don't want to include them, mm-hmm. and you know upsets happen, and maybe they they get upset, and that's what you're you're banking on. But here's the I thing, think though, we've, I think we've learned from betting odds this year is you, you should, probably shouldn't <laughs> bank on an upset. Here's the thing, you can. I think there's three teams, and one of them is a team that you have in your Frozen Four, and I have talked myself out of putting Western Michigan in. Um, let me hear it. I'm putting Michigan in instead of Western Michigan. Uh, so I have Mankato, St. Cloud State, and Michigan as my top three. I think Michigan is just uber-talented. I think you, you have four first-round draft picks uh, in your starting five. You give yourself a chance. Uh, their goalie is pretty solid, uh, Eric Portillo, like I mentioned earlier. So you give yourself an opportunity. And um, I think Michigan being three is not a bad thing. But you when you look at that from an outside perspective from me, you're like, oh, my God. Where is Western Michigan? Why don't you have Western Michigan? You know nothing about college hockey. Fair. I totally, I totally get it. I don't know how much I trust uh, Brendan Bussey. I, I feel like I'm saying a naughty word, which it is kind of a naughty word if I say it incorrectly, but uh, their, their goaltending isn't extremely impressive. Now, Brandon is 23rd with a 916 save percentage, which is fine. Like that, David Rennick has a 925. That's not super impressive this year, even though he is 14th, but it's because he started out strong. Like, what? His first, like, month, he had a 95 <laughs> save percentage. Well, you have like been that. talking about save percentage a lot, and I want it to be noted that the rankings probably are a little misleading because yeah. some conferences are just flat out stronger than others. Yeah. I know, was it the Michigan goal you mentioned having a 917? Yeah. I think that's just should up less impressive than a 916 from a Western Michigan goalie because the big one is just flat out worse, and I don't think you can argue that. That's totally fair. I mean, so there, there's a lot of moving parts here, and I think it'll become more clear as we move on. And then for my fourth team, this is a off-the-top-rope kind of team right here, but it's not Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac is in my top eight, and I'm not saying they can't make the Frozen Four, 
but it's also not Cornell. Maybe if you're like, oh, maybe it's Cornell, East Coast team. No. Not Notre Dame either, by the way. It's not Notre Dame either. No South Bend, Notre Dame sort of stupid. They're not even in my top eight. I'll be 100% honest with you. I'm just going to come clear with That's that. That's 100% fine. I am going off of the sophomore goalie who has only given up 24 goals on 504 saves in comparison, a 9.55 save percentage. Devon Levi, Northeastern, a sophomore goalie putting up a 9.55. I don't care what conference you play in unless you're playing like tier three junior hockey, which shout out Hudson Havoc. Thank you so much for giving me uh, so many opportunities. But man, if Devon Levi played, uh, he'd probably put up like a 9.798 down there. So regardless, 9.55 through about 18 games played. He has a 13-4-1 record, six shutouts in 18 games. Pretty impressive. Now, is he playing in the NCHC? No. Is he playing in the CCHA? No, not even that, because you wouldn't have to play Mankato, which Mankato is a whole other beast <laughs> to deal with. But, man, Devon Levi, the potential of him in the playoffs, I think, is astounding. And like I mentioned earlier, sometimes all it takes is a hot goalie. So if there's one team, I'm going to say, outside of Dryden McKay, because I think Dryden McKay is going to be solid. Like He doesn't need to put up a 9-5 in the play. Like He could. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not telling Dryden McKay to not put up a 9-5 save percentage in the postseason. But... Devon Levi can do it. He's doing it so far this season. I'm taking Northeastern, a team that keeps the puck out of their own net. They've got some scores. I don't know a ton about their roster, but, man, Devon Levi is that dude. And, listen, like, I don't know analytics in college hockey. Like, there's a I, – I, we'd probably have to make our own website for analytics in college hockey or pay for a premium service. But sometimes it's just about sitting down, watching a team play, and it's like, that kid can ball. That kid knows. That kid knows how to play. And that's just what Devon Levi is. Like a 9.55 save percentage is absolutely ridiculous. So my surprise team, it always feels like there's one surprise team. St. Cloud was that team last year. I got Northeastern uh, because of the fact that Devon Levi is so good at keeping the puck out of his own neck. And then we can get more into the four. Like, this is a March Madness term, but, like, these teams are, like, my last four in, and then my last four out are the rest of the top eight. So if you want to talk about the rest of your teams, you can. I think I'm gonna play quickly play devil's advocate because I know I mentioned the save percentage in the conferences that you play in. Yeah. But when you look at like the nine five five save percentage, and you say, "Oh, he doesn't play in a conference." Like, what? Like, I to play devil's advocate. Like, what? What do you want him to be? Do you want him to be better? Really? Like, is he supposed to be better? No. And like, uh, that's you have the thing. To, like, you have to think like that because if you're if you're like expecting someone to be better, uh, you're expecting something like superhuman almost. Well yeah, and that was just more of me like trying to qualify my answer more than anything else, but I mean it it's just like a 9-5 in any conference is just so impressive. And you know, like I'll be honest with you in terms of like Northeastern hockey, the women's team has been more impressive than the men's team <laughs> uh, in more recent years, so I you know, Northeastern is just is just really good. They're so fantastic. Um, I mean, they play in the Hockey East, which I don't think the Hockey East is that impressive this year. But, hey, you still got the Boston Colleges out there, that being Boston College and Boston University. So, and UMass, which is kind of a UMass right now. But, um, uh, but hey, it's still a good conference. It's not the best. I'd say it's better than the Big Ten, maybe. I'm going to quickly cut you off and talk about UMass yeah. very quickly. I very briefly considered talking about them as a team that makes the eight. Only because I think they sneak into the 16. And when I mean sneak in, I mean sneak in. I know Brian's smacking his mic on his forehead right now. Trying not to make noise. But when you've been there before and you run into a team that hasn't, you know, had the players haven't been there 
<laughs> even Counter, if you like, counterpoint, they lost double digit seniors from their turn from their national championship it's, it's, teams. I mean, they still have some of the players there, and that's yeah. I did I did look that up, and I I'm aware of that, so I completely scrapped the idea, and then I scrapped it even further by saying they're not even going to be in the 16. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's something it's something to think about, and if you get a team in there that is experienced and you know they know how to, they don't feel the pressure that some of the other guys might feel. Yeah. Maybe they sneak in. Maybe that's your, you know, quote-unquote Cinderella team. So now outside of Mankato, St. Cloud State, Western Michigan, and who is your – Denver. Denver. Who are your last four out? Uh, Notre Dame, North Dakota, Quinnipiac. And then I, I said, I don't know. I think probably uh, Minnesota because I said that's who I think Okay. Um, a Denver team would beat. All right. But I'm not – I think Minnesota and Michigan maybe are swappable there, and I think – I don't know. I I feel I feel bad only having Notre Dame being the only Big Ten in the final eight. That's just, that is so wrong, and that'd be so weird. Uh, Big Ten's but. not good this year, so. So yeah, Minnesota is my eighth team there. Uh, my last four outs would be, uh, Denver is one of them. I think they're probably closer to eight than five, though. Uh, I would have my two biggest snubs uh, in this. Uh, I don't know if North Dakota is necessarily said, but my biggest nut by far is Western Michigan in this. And this is just me, like, not betting on Western Michigan to continue the success. They probably still can, and they I'm not saying that they can't make the Frozen Four. It's totally possible. And they can win what I would believe is their first national championship in school history, which would be cool. Ethan Frank is an absolute dog, even though he's a rival and a competitor. I have very much critical support for Ethan Frank, and if he ever plays in the NHL, I'll be supporting for him unless he plays for, like, the Stars or the Blues. Uh, so... I mean, like, <laughs> Denver, Denver's in there, Western Michigan's in there, North Dakota's in there, and then Quinnipiac would be my East Coast team. That's kind of a snub, and that would be a part of that last four. Uh, Quinnipiac is impressive because they split against North Dakota. I, I value that a lot, even though North Dakota's goaltending situation is kind of really, like, in dire straits right now. I don't know if Jeff Driscoll is that guy for a playoff run. Do you really think so? Well, I mean, I' gonna be honest. My only experience is the eight one, the eight one, <laughs> and the 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 Driscoll transferring down at the yeah. Herb Brooks. But maybe he's not the guy. His backup is certainly not the guy. His backup is not ready well, for. Um, he's eighteen years old. Yeah, like, he's not ready for yeah. a starting job. And I'm not trying to blame him for the eight to one loss. That was Driscoll's mess. He got thrown into. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's not enough. Yeah. It's just really difficult because. Um, I mean, Driscoll doesn't even register in the top 50 of goalies in terms of save percentage. So he's below like a he's below a 898, which is not good. I mean, if you're below Jack Lafontaine this year, uh, that is pretty bad <laughs> if you want to be considered a top goalie. So North Dakota is a huge question mark just because of goalie. But, hey, uh, you got Jake Sanderson on your team. You got a chance. Jake Sanderson yep, is a absolutely. good hockey player, and there's a reason why I believe Ottawa took him with the fifth overall pick a few years ago. So I totally get it. Um, I do have a quick question. Yeah. You want Sanderson or Power right now? Power because he's younger. I think a week ago I might have, or maybe two weeks ago, without the knowledge of the juniors games that I saw Power oh, yeah, play. Yeah, Sanderson I'm probably would have been your pick, but watching what Owen Power did to some of the guys that are his age and his supposed talent level, and what I mean, yes, it's the Canadian team, but yeah, I mean, geez, three goals, three goals. I, it was ridiculous that the performance in in the performances i should make that plural in some of those canadian hockey games were impressive to watch i mean speaking of another guy here who i believe had four goals in one uh junior game before uh it was canceled and i i don't i 
I want to make sure, I guess, uh, if that, uh, yeah, so Bedard with four goals in the juniors uh, and, oh, my God, four goals, one assist for five points. Uh, future Arizona Coyote Connor Bedard, who will not be playing college hockey. God, could you imagine Connor Bedard in college hockey? It wouldn't happen, obviously. But the worst part, too, is that because he's Canadian, he probably would have committed to North Dakota. Uh, that's just where they go for some reason. Like, I don't know if you watch this, but the Sidney Crosby interview with Spit and Chicklets, the college that he named, because I know Witt asked him, oh, you know, if you were to go to college hockey, where would you go? He'd say North Dakota. It's like, it's always the Canadian guys that want to go to North Dakota. So I guess for St. Cloud State's sake, uh, thank God <laughs> he's not playing for North Dakota. Oh, speaking of North Dakota, because we're both from Hudson, I want to I want to shout this out. Uh, Hudson Bourne, he didn't play. He hasn't played for Hudson High School, and he's not going to because he's in the U show. But Hudson Bourne player Isaac Howard, who's a year younger than us, for the U.S. National Under-17 Development Team, they play North Dakota. Uh, by the way, that development team shut out North Dakota 2-0, which is absolutely hilarious. I know Duluth. When Duluth won a national championship, they got shut out too. But whatever, it's just funny. Let me let me pile on North Dakota a little bit. Isaac Howard, Hudson Bourne, Hudson, Wisconsin born hockey player, scored on North Dakota. He is committed to Duluth next year, so that's unfortunate. Oh, no. Yikes. But I'm happy he scored on North Dakota, uh, and that's very funny to me. So uh, I think we both feel pretty confident in our top four and top eight. Outside of that, I think you're crazy for having Notre Dame in, but you probably think I'm crazy for putting Northeastern in the top four settings. So I, I would like to think both of us are, are we're obviously reaching out a little bit. but I think know, we're in the right place. It's you know you have to have your sleepers in there. You have to. Yeah. It's not. It wouldn't be a complete bracket without it. So man, I love college hockey so much. It's I think are we are we are we wrapping this up? Yeah, I think we've kind of talked that now. What are we? Are we over an hour at this point? Oh yeah, hour and fifteen almost. So yeah. So man, I I wasn't worried about time necessarily, but I kind of thought about you know oh without Jules here, are we gonna are we not even gonna clear an hour? But man, we've uh, cleared that with flying colors. I'm sure we've repeated some points uh, plenty, but. Man, uh, for a loose, no-structure show, that was pretty fun. Uh, I will say, though, I will be happy to have Julian back next oh, week. Oh, absolutely. We, st- we still have some stuff to figure out and come, yeah. come in here. Thank uh, you so much for having me, Kyle. I appreciate you filling in for the host position. You're usually the co-host, so you know what to do in terms of introducing topics and letting me ramble like crazy. It's great to have a soapbox where I can talk for like 40 minutes about stuff that I like if you couldn't tell how much I enjoy it, so... I think it, I think it was good for me too to have uh, sit behind the computer a little bit and dig into some yeah. college hockey. I think something I I should have been meaning to do. And hey, I mean, college hockey's heating up. If you're not watching it now, start watching it. Um, you know, and it's it's difficult. College hockey doesn't really market itself that well, so it's tough to watch college hockey sometimes. But hey, if you're in the Twin Cities, like the metro area, even stretching into Wisconsin a little bit, if you want to watch some St. Cloud State hockey, be sure to tune in to. Fox 9 Plus or Channel 29, whatever the actual channel ID is, whatever. So if you want to watch a potential national champion, watch some St. Cloud. Uh, if you want to subscribe to Flow Hockey, which I wouldn't, but if you want to, there's plenty of CCHA action for you. Uh, and Big Ten Network, I know, is running hockey games and all that. So there's plenty of stuff to watch. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the NFL, right? That's yeah, our goal. We'll talk playoffs. I think we'll we'll try to dive back into some uh, NHL, NBA because it's been a few weeks. Uh, eventually, and you and I were talking about this, and this is more just programming for the future. But we have got to talk about college basketball eventually because God, it is a chaotic minefield <laughs> right now. It land, there's landmines everywhere in college basketball. Absolutely. So it's fun. Uh, I'm trying to win a bracket group between us three this year if if we do something like that. So. 
I want to research, but man, um, any sort of like team that looks like they're trying to separate themselves just doesn't look that good. And man, we have questions about Baylor, so we'll get into that, you know, in a in a future episode. But we've got a lot to talk about in so sports. So I think on that note, I think we're gonna wrap this episode up. Watch college hockey if you haven't. Yeah. Um. Thank God college football is over. All that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, house cleaning coming up next week. Um. Mondays are the new recording date. Uh. That has been January fourth episode. First episode of twenty twenty two. Uh. In the bag. It, it was a little rough around the edges. It was so, kind of a happy hour. It yeah. was a, it certainly was a happy hour. So on that note, thank you everyone for watching another episode of Sports Ball Go and Puck. Uh, have a good night.